Welcome to the Legendary Upside Podcast. Uh, my name is Pat Green. You can follow all of my work at legendaryupside.com. Today, I am joined by the men I betrayed at vertical.com. <laughs> Patrick Darty, Danny Carter, and Kyle Dvorak. Uh, we're going to be talking through some training camp news and also kind of how to interpret training camp news in general, kind of the prism through which we should be absorbing the facts which are, are being firehosed into our brains right now. Guys, how's it going? You know, you know who else betrayed someone was Cortez and Montezuma. We we were talking the Aztecs before uh, before the show, so, so you won't know that as the yeah. listeners since this is the first yeah. you're hearing of it. But that's uh, where that yeah, did them very dirty. But yeah, we're good. We're good. Uh, we're we're getting over your betrayal. Feeling, we never fully get over it. But. Yeah, feeling less betrayed uh, as the days goes. <laughs> goes on <laughs> well i have to say are we on speaking terms because i have been kept uh up to date that i may be joining the road oh podcast yeah by no, listening no, to the road uh, podcast i have yet to be invited on no. by one of you via text or call. this is not true but pat apparently this is not i might true. be on on thursday pat, you this are is not true sometime in like april or may i floated the idea to you over a discord message like hey maybe this summer we'll do it and ever since then, you've been updated only through our podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have been speaking yeah. through intermediaries, a.k.a. podcast episodes, but uh, we were hoping you could podcast You're lucky I'm us. a loyal listener. I mean, <laughs> we were really hoping you could podcast with us at 3 p.m. Eastern this Thursday. All right. Well, um, consider it booked. All right. Good. Uh, thanks. Thanks for thanks. For Wait, is he actually on three this, is, this Thursday? We, oh, we've, yeah, actually, no, we've actually scheduled you for every Thursday in the regular season. We have. At uh, 3 o'clock. I know. kind of hoping you can do that. I can't do that anyway those actually um all right so yeah i wanted to talk through some of the training camp stuff i would say like kind of the general uh theme of this is that like you know in best ball drafts i felt that the market is very attuned to information but it is potentially not absorbing that information in ways that feel rational it's not like i my prior was this i'm updating the prior to reflect this new information, but I'm not abandoning what I previously thought. Instead, it's more like, ah, and we're just running around and, you know, we don't have any kind of sense of, of what to do. Uh, so an example of this would be Isaiah Pacheco went on PUP to begin uh, training camp. And he uh, was known for, for weeks, months, really, that he would probably miss the beginning of training camp. And his ADP dropped sharply on the news that that he missed training camp. So I, I would say, like, if we can kind of think through some of the bigger picture stuff as we go here, but also dive into the nitty gritty of, of some of these training camp situations. Uh, I actually want to start with the contract issue stuff and where you guys stand on. Let's let's start with Jonathan Taylor, because this is like one that is pretty interesting and doesn't feel like something from the last couple of years. It feels like more like years ago when we used to have like real holdouts. Where are you guys at on this Jonathan Taylor situation? Well, I was going to say first, like writ large with you talking about the way the, like the manager pool reacts to this stuff is like, I think one like weird side effect of like the manager pool getting much sharper because the drafting pool is just really, really sharp. Now they're of course still fish and still people who don't really know what they're doing, but like drafters have never been smarter uh, but it, it leads to this weird like side effect of there's so little information edge now. Everyone has amazing information. Everyone has up to the date, up to date information. So like it does create like a situation where 
you feel like well, the only way to get an edge is if you got to react hard. Like you got to go yeah. all in or all out. Got to react as hard as possible. So in some ways, like the player pool getting sharper, I feel like is leading to like more reckless behavior. Because like, like you said, a lot of this stuff is like, yeah, whatever. I mean, two weeks from now, no one will remember this happened. <laughs> but it leads <laughs> right. to like huge ADP swings. And Kyler Denny, I mean, I don't even know what to think about Jonathan. The Jonathan Taylor thing as Crane laid out is different, is very weird. And there is an information vacuum there too. Like where we don't have great information there. Like is his I back mean, literally injured? at some point we have to have misinformation, right? Someone has to be lying because Taylor says, I absolutely do not have a back injury. I've never heard of this. And the team obviously puts him on like NFI or pup or whatever with the back injury. So not yeah, only the do Colts we have are a- lying. Probably the Colts are lying. I think so. (laughs) Because they can just like absolutely screw him if they were just like not, you know, they were to keep him but not play him because he's on, uh, you know, either pup, injured reserve, NFI. Like any way they can get him out of the year of accrued service and not pay him would be um, morally ambiguous to say. What's the the end game there, right? What's the end game? You put a guy on NFI so he can't play for you. He doesn't accrue a year of service, but you also. Don't get anything out of that. He comes in next year. He hates your guts. Is it just to keep well, him healthy to try to trade him? Like, what's no, the game? I think it's it's just really old fashioned hardball. The kind of hardball you don't see much anymore because even the teams have become much more reluctant to play hardball in the era, era of like social media and mass media, where like the fan blowback is so immediate and the fans are just so well informed. Now, now every fan knows like, hey, what? Like a lot of fans didn't know what the NFI list was and like what that meant, the ramification, but they do now. And like it's so much harder to like manage like public backlash and expectations now. The teams don't really play this kind of hardball. And even the Colts aren't really playing it. I think they're just saying to Jonathan Taylor, like, man, you're upset now. Like, uh, wait if we put you on the NFI list and you don't get to collect some checks. I think yeah, it's that's, just that's I, absolutely how I took it. Yeah, they're yeah, yeah. they're at least posturing as if they're willing to cut their nose despite their face to get Jonathan Taylor to play for them. And like, would it be dumb? Yes, but like, it's leverage. It will cost Jonathan Taylor a lot more to not be playing and to like end up being a uh, restricted free agent next year than it will cost this team because it's not like they have like Super Bowl aspirations right now, no. right? They're at the bottom of a rebuild. Essentially, got off. Like, it's got so off. Embarrassing though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean. It is. Sure. Jim Irsay just hired Jeff Saturday because he enjoyed Twitter. hanging you out think with him. Like... Dude, check out Jim Irsay's Twitter. You think yeah. he's worried about embarrassment? No, dude, he's not worried about that. I mean, Taylor either he has two choices: he plays for the Colts or his career is over. Uh, That's he... the yeah, absolutely. That's the way the Colts can play this. Like yeah. they legitimately have that power over him. This is this similar to Carson Palmer at all? Does that remember? Oh no, that one was maybe the last like true like like hammer and tongs like true like both sides we're gonna do whatever it took to win that dispute and it's not similar because i think that was clear from the get-go like carson palmer like announced like i'm not playing for this team like he just straight up said like i'm not playing for the raiders like do whatever you want but i I, i'm not playing for the raiders i'm gonna sit for the Bengals, right well was that the Bengals or was it the, the Raiders one? Either way, I guess it was the Bengals one. It was the Bengals one. <laughs> yeah, it was right? the Bengals I was one. nine years old. Where he got traded time. to the Raiders. Hugh Jackson, I think, surrendered three first-round picks. That's Good. what it was, yeah. yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it's not similar to that one because I don't think Jonathan Taylor – Jonathan Taylor's just been like, we should improve my contract situation somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what he went into the meeting with Ursay. He came out of the meeting with Ursay saying, I would like to be traded. 
It doesn't yeah. seem it was like. He hey, by the way, you know that Jim Mercer's bus smells crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that bus has got to have like five to eight just of the weirdest smells. Yeah. Can you give us oh, one? What, what scent, what's one scent that definitely smells like? I mean, well, so Denny, I think, is referencing perhaps marijuana, but another scent. Could be. I mean, Jim Irsay, he's, he's famous for wrecking McDaniel's family bathroom. <laughs> it's one of the things he's famous for. This is absolutely wrecking Josh McDaniel's bathroom. And it's why Josh McDaniel's... I remember this story. That's a true story. It's why Josh McDaniel's didn't take the Colts job, because Jim Irsay wrecked his bathroom. Yeah, they were doing they were doing like totally just a, a sit down meeting to talk about like what it would be like to hire him or whatever, right? And he goes to the bathroom, just annihilates his bathroom. He did, just destroyed <laughs> his bathroom. Like, I mean, we're, I we're gonna date ourselves. It was like Jeff Daniels and Dumb and Dumber. He just destroyed the bathroom. <laughs> the bathroom was inoperable. There's there's two sides. after Jim Irsay used it. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> so God only knows. I mean, a, a bus bathroom. I mean, there's much less margin for error there. I'm just telling you, the Jonathan Taylor came out of there and he said, that's the worst smell I've ever ever smelled. Gotta get out of this town, man. I gotta get out of this this team, man. I can't play for this guy. They gotta Uh, let him, he should not be meeting with any more players or coaches. No. Now, horrible management by the Colts. You should never allow a player one-on-one with Jim Irsay. No. One of you referenced his tweets, you know, a lot of his old tweets were resurfacing over the weekend. And one, of, one of the deeper cuts was that he thought Joe Biden was six foot seven. Just as a Jim Irsay tweet from like 2011 saying Joe Biden was six foot seven. Right, wow. He's like, um, I think he's like five eight. No, he's like six even. Um, yeah, I think he's, yeah, six, he's like even. six even. He's probably shrunk oh. you. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> we've really gone off the rails here, but I do think with the Taylor stuff, um, I ultimately feel like, like you do, Denny, that he's he's playing for the call. They're not trading him. No one's trading anything for a running back that you then have to pay at this point, right? I mean, if he was available, he would get signed to probably like a pretty good deal for a running back, but to give up a you know a third round pick or whatever the Colts would want. And then pay him. It just doesn't. It's not going to happen. I would first. I think the Taylor one is one I would almost react to because this okay. situation has gone totally haywire. And like before, no one was making the positive case for Jonathan Taylor. So like, man, like Jonathan Taylor was. You guys remember he was the number one overall player last year. I, right? I had a ton of them. And I was like, we probably are getting way too bearish on Jonathan Taylor. But but it's now like the sides hating each other. The health like being a true question mark. You know, totally remaking the offense. A rookie quarterback who might not even be able to like throw. Like it is to the point where I, this was kind of like a final straw type situation for me with Jonathan Taylor, where the upside case is still like really legit. But a situation where there were like already genuine red flags, this red flag kind of like put it over the top for me. Like I'm just not going to deal with this situation. See, I well, don't he think is he falling play in drafts. Them. So I think. The thing is, he's he's not going to not play because it serves him no good to not play. It's you know what Denny was talking about. He's not, but just the well is things are just so weird. Like the bad vibe seasons almost never go. Sure, I have been uh, every once in a while. I admit, just going with the vibes, uh, like I.E. Kadarius Tony and James Williams, like you guys don't vibe well. Not gonna not gonna go. I don't. (laughs) I don't as much get that from Taylor though, because he's like so proven to be good, and that this tiff with his team, if it really spirals out of control 
results in him getting traded. I don't think it results in him not playing because that just that's the worst outcome for Taylor essentially is not playing because he's not a player who reaches free agency if he holds out. Like it's bad for Saquon and Josh Jacobs to have held out. Obviously, like Saquon's already resolved, but like it's bad for them to hold out. But there's like a light at the end of the tunnel that they can just walk into free agency next year. Taylor doesn't have that option. I think if he holds out the entire year, he becomes a restricted free agent, which gives the team its exclusive rights, essentially, for the team. Yeah. You know, it's That's basically how it would work. So I think the, quote, like, worst case scenario is he leaves what is like a pretty mid to not great situation for him, just offensively. Their line is fine. Yeah, but what is that? Eh. I just, I have such a hard time seeing that happen. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think who, that's like the the tail tail end outcome is leaving and playing for another team, which is fine. I, that might be better. And the vast majority of the distribution is he's a place for the Colts. Like that's almost yeah. just certainly it's going to happen. Would you guys trade a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor? I honestly nope. would. I think there are certain yeah. teams that yeah, should. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I thought you meant a dynasty or something. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I no, mean in real no. life. Not in real life, I would not. No. Nope. I think he even went... so obviously I'm team running back doesn't matter, but like the average second round pick is like a spectacular flop, whatever the position is. And if you've got sure. a guy I... at a position where very few guys are actually above replacement level, Jonathan Taylor actually is above replacement level. And I, I think there are a few teams that should trade a second round pick for John. It's the contract for me. I think the fact that you the immediately contract, have yeah. to make him the probably the second highest paid running back, if not like the highest. You could just use franchise tag him, give him 10 mil. I mean, who cares? I mean, you don't trade for Jonathan Taylor and be like, and the next three years are going to be hell for you. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's true. That's not. That's yeah. I mean, point. no one's going to make a commitment to him. Uh, yeah. So I think he would be like, well, a rent- there is rent- one team that might do it the Philadelphia Football Eagles. Um, I no, think are I the think one that. team that might do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howie goes against type all the time. Howie Roseman would he trade has a second. Penny round on pick. like 800k a year. I yeah, think. I mean, I think oh, yeah, yeah. Rashad under. Penny. Yeah, we'll get. We're gonna be 30, 30 amazing touches from Rashad Penny. <laughs> yeah, Just they're gonna be awesome. But I think I think it would go against everything they've showed us this off season, which so they're like they're going to goodwill to get their running backs. They, I mean, they're right. Like they went to the offseason with Kenneth Gainwell as their guy because they weren't going to sign resign Miles Sanders. Then like, oh, the Lions hate DeAndre Swift. We'll pick him up for like you know well, third round. That was the plan, but I think it could quickly be the watches Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift once. And like, all right, well, we, we need a better plan. <laughs> oh, no, the thing is, they're really good. Penny's going to look good them. until he gets hurt. Yeah, he's going to look awesome. Yeah, um, DeAndre like, Swift's like, also like going to look awesome until. About it's like when people were talking about the Chiefs getting uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you mean they do the opposite of what they've shown us for the past two years? Like, probably not. Maybe at the right price, sure. If if the cold situation is so untenable and they're just willing to give them up for, like, a conditional pick, sure, the Eagles would jump in then, and they'd probably pay the contract. But it would go against everything their front office has shown us in the past, like, 16 months or whatever. So I'd say no, not at all. Um, so the Taylor situation feels a bit different, but we are getting a discount on him. He's going in the like two, three turn. There was some third round Taylor. I saw some mid third round Taylor with these types of situations. Like, do you think drafters should be grabbing the discount? I mean, Danny, you, you seem to think he's either playing for the Colts or not at all. I think we all feel like the not at all parts pretty low. So yeah, I, I guess drafting through it. I guess you do. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I saw him in the third round, I, I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to taking him. But then again, you know, if he really is serious and if his agent is serious about this, then you're just blowing a hole in your roster um, by by taking him in the third round. So 
I I hesitate to say, oh yes, you got to get him because he's definitely going to play. I do think that some of these running backs do mean business, and by business I mean trying to get something out of the situation. They have no leverage. I think Josh Jacobs means business. I think I'm I'm afraid to j- draft Josh Jacobs, for instance. Um, so, but <clears throat> Jacobs, that one feels pretty normal to me. I think Jacobs is going to skip training camp, show up, sign the franchise tag, and and get going. I'm actually I actually don't have any yeah issues with signing with drafting Josh Jacobs at the end of the third round. And I've been doing it a lot, actually. I think my hope there, but I'd love your thoughts on this is Saquon Barkley kind of, he paved the way there that you, you give, you give Josh, you let Josh Jacobs skip training camp. You give him a couple, a couple extra million, you know, in incentives or whatever for this year, you make this year's deal a little sweeter than the franchise tag. And he plays. I can see the Jacobs thing going kind of the old fashioned way where he reports at the very end of camp and like needs time to ramp up and maybe misses week one just because they don't want to throw him out there, which one game of a 13 game fantasy regular season is like kind of a big deal. And we know anecdotally, I can't remember what the empirical studies say about the holdout players, but it seems like they don't ever have good seasons like ever, Um, especially for like really bad teams like the Raiders. I could see Josh Mm -hmm. Jacobs missing a game. Cause I think, I think it's clear. He's like, he's reporting like Labor Day or something, you know, like he, he's not going to show up like August, like 18th or something. Yeah. He's coming in as late as possible. But one of the things we're trying to do in, in best ball is we're trying to get closing line value. So, you know, it's like you kind of wait into this Jacobs uncertainty here because I think I you agree. Guys agree if, if Jacob signs, right. If he, if he does that, he's going to be very expensive the rest of the way. Like, I, you know, it could be a mid second round pick or something with, you know, maybe not quite that high, but he is someone that that kind of late August drafters, the more casual drafters, have tended to to like. And now there's no contract uh, uncertainty. I could see a, a giant spike in price. Mm. Yeah, I think I mean, we all agree it's going to be the plays hardball, and then they give him the Saquon. Like, I don't think I don't they're think even giving him the Saquon. Team. They're yeah. poor, and they probably would have done it already if <laughs> they, they were are. going to. Yeah. I don't think I think he's just signing the tag. The Saquon thing is really weird. I didn't even think that was allowed. They, they rescinded the tag. I mean, that was a strange situation. I don't know why more teams don't do that because, like, the franchise tag becomes so toxic because you can't do the long term talks after mid July, but then you can just rescind the tag and do a normal deal. I, I, I was confused. Just for that year though i guess it's just for that year it was only for the year they couldn't have like rescinded it and then like let's go back to long-term talks i couldn't remember that wrinkle Mm -hmm. yeah but i think we all agree that whatever the outcome is for jacobs it is so clear that he's just gonna show up and play at some point i don't even think he's likely to miss week one but at the prices you're getting right now honestly not that big of a deal if you play your roster week one you're mr best ball you're mr two million best ball guy uh Seems like maybe a market inefficiency if the yards from scrimmage leaders, the going as the 31st overall player going at the end of the third round, it does seem like a bit bearish to me, even with the holdout. Am I, am I incorrect? I mean, that's how I've been playing it. You know, I'm not someone who's ever really been in on Josh Jacobs as a player. Last year, he really surprised me with how efficient he was um, in addition to handling a huge workload. But he, was, he wasn't just a volume play. He was actually pretty darn good last year. So I'm, uh, you know, I was like, all right, I was wrong. Like he's, he's more talented than I thought. Um, I also was looking at some of his metrics from previous seasons and he was always pretty reliable. His success rate was always high. So we were, I was always probably a little too harsh on him to begin with. Um, so yeah, I mean, is a late third rounder. I think he's, he's a target. The, 
I think even as an early third rounder, he should be a target. I've taken, I I was taking him in the early to mid third round before this holdout stuff really accelerated. But, but I was, I was underweight. I was just mixing him in. Now I'm like trying to get him. But again, it's kind of this, this closing line value type of point that, that, you know, I think it's important to try to get as good a prices on these guys as you can in an overall portfolio. Um, even if you are taking on risk with guys like Taylor and Jacobs. What do you think yeah. Labor Day weekend his ADP is going to be, Josh Jacobs? <clears throat> is, it, is, it, is it as low as it's going to go right now, basically? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's – yeah. I think it would be like in the late – mid to late second round. Yep. Yeah. Seems uh, – one, one thing you don't have to worry about with Jacobs is, is potential signings. So th- this is another topic where I want to – like there's a few different – incumbent running backs that I think we should, you know, we're all kind of on our toes with Ramondre yeah. Stevenson, who is someone that I'm actually getting pretty nervous about um, because they just, it's like, who haven't they talked to at this point now. Um, or talked up? I mean, they're talking up Ty Montgomery, who I don't even think is practicing right now, but they, you the, the, know, Crane, not to interrupt. They're, they're talking up Ty Montgomery so much. They're having former Patriots employees talk him up to the media. Well, yeah, they, that was the one report was they the had their old running backs coach up. like Ty Montgomery was, Hell of a man. <laughs> yeah, it was, I think it was the running back coach from last year. He's not the running back coach anymore. I've been fierce. Up, yeah, I've been fierce. Yeah, and that's the one that really got everyone jazzed about it. Uh, but I, I didn't think it was as serious as everyone seemed to take it. Um, I'm well, so tired. Then, I'm so tired of pretending like Ty Montgomery is going to be something. I'm tired. Well, he's not. But, I mean, it's it's not great for Ramondre that they're like, oh, Ty Montgomery. Oh, it's so yeah. Crane, Crane is, where Crane is right. Is... We're like, it's pretty bad if they're like, like they're dispatching. Like Bill Belichick is getting on the yeah. phone. He's like, no, you give the quote. I don't think you understand. No, you man, give the quote. You talk no, to Mike Reese. You give the quote. We've been doing this for five years. Ty Montgomery. We've been doing this for five I'm, years. I'm retired, Ty man. Montgomery. You said you said that we were done with this. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Denny, have I'm you done. seen the play? No, 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 Denny. I want to remind you of the play where there's a kickoff that's nearly out of bounds, and I believe it's Ty Montgomery who puts his feet out of bounds and then lays down to touch the football because then that's a kickoff out of bounds. And the Patriots, honestly, oh. now that I say that, I'm actually, it actually does make sense. The Patriots they, love that stuff. They love that. That, like, borderline <laughs> cheating shit. Man, they love that. <laughs> what do you mean, borderline? Also, uh, also the cheating. Shit. Yeah, the yeah they they love all of it. To be fair, um, Zeke, you know, met with them. They they were trying to get Dalvin Cook to to come up to uh, New England. He just was like, "No, nah, New York's <laughs> as far north as I'm going." Um, so yeah, I mean, it, I haven't talked to Kareem Hunt yet, but you know that could be in the in the cards soon. Like that, that type of stuff makes me nervous. You got the Brees Hall. Uh, we're constantly his ADP's yo-yoing every time Dalvin Cook mentions the Jets, he drops. But by, by Brees's six. ADP never made any sense, man. I, never I made, love him. Never, oh, he's I, good, I'm, but it, it, wasn't he going in like the first round? No, like, no. no. The earliest he, he ever was going was like the early to mid second because I was selecting him there. No one, <laughs> no one else was yeah. doing that. So. That's like categorically insane. It makes like, me very no, nervous. It's not. This is it that. is categorically insane. He's Why is he so insane? So this goes, this goes to the, some of the injury stuff. He's I played like about. seven career games and he's not healthy right now. It's like categorically insane. I mean, and especially it's like Aaron Rodgers coming in and like Aaron Rodgers is put you points to like the fourth running back. I like this guy. 
And the coach, but he hasn't done that. I like, I don't get this. <laughs> no, he's going to though. He, he's going to, and Aaron Rodgers isn't wasting time like babying along injured players this year. Like this is his last rodeo. He doesn't get. He doesn't give a single no. shit about Brees. Aaron Rodgers isn't wasting his time like cuddling along. That's all he does. Like, That's all. Is Randall Cobb should have been that retired. Randall Cobb should have been retired four years ago. But I, as far as I know, he's not. He got Al Lazard a contract. I mean, he's he's pretty into that actually. <laughs> But I just think it's the same because how limited the resume is. And yeah, that it seems like a JK Dobbins where he's just like not hell. It's not as bad as Javante Williams. But like, and two, it's really bad. Like, it became immediately apparent the Jets were lying about the injury timeline. Like, camp starts like, yeah, he's not healthy after all. Whoops. Like, uh, we were but he's running, wrong. he's running 23 miles an hour. I know. Yeah, he is running very fast. Very I mean, that's crazy. about as fast as a human can run. So that seems pretty good to me. Like right maybe, maybe maybe the watch is a little hot on that one. You aren't into him like uh breaking breaking the speed limit in school zones. That's not <laughs> yeah. that's not fun for you. <laughs> no, I mean I so I, I'm I'm actually and this is probably oversimplified, but I'm trying to just be really simple with these injured running backs and just say no. I'm not I'm not taking them. Like I'm not I'm not taking Javante Williams. Not a value I'm hound, taking, I see. I'm not taking Brees Hall. And it makes me nervous that Crane and, and Sean Siegel and other sharp guys are like, no, no, you're you gotta be in on Hall. And I'm like, no, I don't it's I interesting don't... that I was touting Hall in the last show, Denny and I were on together, and then he mentioned the sharp guys like Crane, Sean Siegel, and he didn't mention me as someone what? who just told him that. also you. <laughs> <laughs> um look, I mean, I think the thing with Hall for me is that he was a very, very good prospect. I thought an underrated prospect. So then when he flashed elite efficiency as both a receiver and a rusher, I was like, okay, he was underrated. He's an elite athlete. He's super young. That's one of the things I liked about him, but I think it's relevant for the injury as noted by some of the injury doctors. Uh, uh, like Edwin Porras has mentioned that as, as a really important part of trying to figure out his recovery timeline. He's been bullish on his recovery as well as some other guys on Twitter. Um, which which I find encouraging since I, I don't know anything about medicine or the human body. But um, but Brees Hall, like, I think you do have to assume that he will start slow, especially if they were to make a signing like Dalvin Cook. The thing for me is that all the money in these tournaments is at the in the final weeks. So if I'm getting Brees Hall from last year in the third round and he's at full speed in weeks 15, 16, 17 – and it, does he have a 55% snap share? I, I would prefer 65. I prefer 70. But he's so explosive that I think, you know, I can probably even survive that if he is at 65% of the snaps for the last, you know, four weeks of the season or whatever, five weeks of the season. I think I'm making a lot of money with one of those Priest Hall teams is, is just the way I think through it. Corinne, I have a question for you because I do think, like, at some point, like, you can only say the final weeks of the season matter so long. So I'm guessing, like, I'm trying to figure out what would be that point. How late into the season where he's, like, let's say he's truly committee back, just 50-50 splitting, not getting a ton of targets, like that type of player with Dalvin Cook. How late into the season does that switch have to flip before it's a negative, like, a, a bad bet? Because, I like, I'm taking a ton of Brees Hall right now because I thought he looked elite as a rookie, and he was – I mean, he was on pace to easily be the offensive rookie of the year. He was a great prospect. I think his recovery shouldn't be too bad. But how late into the season to where he's like giving you like RB3 numbers? Is it probably like a dead bet? Well, I think you want to think through him a little bit like a rookie almost. Like yeah. you're, you're kind of, you're betting on him almost like he's a rookie running back where you're not going to get that immediate star production the first year or the first few weeks of the of the season, but you're betting on him to come down come on down the stretch. 
Um, the nice thing about him compared to a rookie is that with those rookies, we don't actually even know if they're good or not. But with him, we know that he is good, provided that he's able to make a full recovery down the stretch. But that that is the bet. But we know the talent exists there. I think like so. I'm, I pulled up DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift had actually had some early season production, but he didn't really do a ton until week eight because uh, he was he actually was hurt uh, and then came back week eight. He kind of chugged along and then he really came on down the stretch. Thirteen week thirteen, week fifteen, and week seventeen had really strong games. I just think you'd be fine with that. Like if it was the la- from like week eight on, if you started putting up some production, but you want to build with Brees Hall in a way that reflects that. So I, I take some IGP Ryan more often when I have a Brees Hall team. You know, I take I'm more interested in a Jamal Williams if I have a Brees Hall team. You know, I'm trying to play it like this guy's not going to crush for me early in the season. He's a little bit he's similar to Jameer Gibbs. As a I was going to say, he's like a barbell version of Jameer Gibbs, where like Gibbs yeah. is probably active week one, barring a catastrophic thing happening right now. I don't know if Brees is active week one, but I think Brees is, I think there's a really clear path to where he is dominating his backfield in week 14, 15, 16, and he's super efficient and he's on a good offense. Whereas I don't know if Gibbs, even as a rookie at any point, dominates his backfield. I think he can be efficient, get a lot of high value touches, but I don't know if he has that peak of being the RB1 overall in weeks 15, 16, 17. So it's more of like an extreme version of Jameer Gibbs. That's what I was thinking of when you said treat him like a rookie. Crane, hearing your spiel on Brees Hall, like not saying this like it's a joke or a bit, like is like what separates you as like a fantasy player from us. Cause to me, I'm like only focusing on like the early season negatives, which uh, make to me. I just feel like you know the Jets keep moving the goalposts on the injury. Having Bryce uh, Dalvin Cook like observe an entire practice like, that's not great. Not good. That's probably not great. That's not great. Uh, talking up Izzy Abanikanda, blah blah blah. There's a lot that of like, is neg- great because kids keep Dalvin Cook away. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of negative signals, but you're right in the game you're playing. Uh, it, it doesn't even really matter. Like it, it does seem like you. Basically, I was like, yeah, we should probably buy the dip on Brees Hall when you were talking because <laughs> like yeah, the early seasons stuff will survive that. Uh, especially you so say you cover yourself with some like touch touch hounds like some yeah IGP and men. i think you know in the game the, the more traditional fantasy football game as well you know managed leagues and, and home leagues and everything i still think he's a quite good quite a good pick in the third round because the, the playoffs are aware the money is in those leagues too and you're gonna know whether or not you should be starting Brees hall you know you're gonna i think you're gonna know now maybe the first week that he has a good game you might not have him in your lineup but after that you're lock buttoning him into your lineup, and I think you, you yeah. feel pretty good about him. I, I would like to take a moment to say I am now in on Brees Hall. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now we're only drafting injured running backs after going on a right, show. Um, well, okay, so let's – this is an interesting thing uh, related to the Brees Hall side. We talked Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, to me, is the only guy priced of the veteran free agent running backs like he is going to play for a team this year. Right. Like he's right. He's 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 not that expensive. I actually started mixing him in a little bit, even though I I, I don't think he's a particularly good pick because he he looked pretty washed last year um, in the advanced stuff. The the other guys, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt are essentially free in drafts. Like it, now we did we are coming off a season where I drafted Gronkowski early in the, uh, the offseason, thinking he was definitely going to play because Brady was playing. That didn't work out. Uh, well, we got like, Julio though, and we got a ton of closing line value on Julio too. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Uh, oh. And I drafted a ton of Will Fuller, who uh, uh, big same. 
Yeah. Any, anybody heard from that guy? No, nope. I don't. I don't even know that he announced his retirement. Ever, no, he did. He's, he's literally just vanished um, after a hand nice. injury. Apparently, of, his finger was shattered, and, uh, was. and that, that seems it rough. Was not. Good. Um, but these guys are being priced like we're not even sure if they're going to play football this year. And then I'm pretty sure, like Kyle, these guys are all going to rise significantly in ADP when they do sign, right? 1, yeah, we've seen that. I th- like. I thought DeAndre Hopkins landed in a horrible spot. Like, I think of all the people, anything that was floated out, uh, even though I thought like Chiefs and Bills run likely, and I thought Patriots at some point looked rather likely, frankly. Landing with the Titans, I thought, was about as bad as it could get. And you would think rationally, if you're pricing DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you price it as like here would be his projection if he goes to the Chiefs. And what is his odds of going to those Chiefs? And then you just do that for every team that we think he could realistically land on. And you get almost like an expected value of projection. And he went to the worst one. He should have fallen in a completely rational market. And instead he rose. So to me, that is, and we've seen this in the past too, but that's a perfect example right now of just any form of action. When like the players who are going on the pup list right now that we expect, they go down anyways. Mm-hmm. We should have known that. We should have had a very high likelihood of Brees, uh, of you know Pacheco going on the pup list. Didn't matter. They fell. Didn't matter. DeAndre Hopkins rose. So from a closing line value standpoint, very obvious that I think any signing at any point before week one, while drafts are still going on, these guys rise. And we do know that like closing line value impacts the expected value of your team. And two, like I think a lot of these guys have potential to land in spots like Leonard Fournette, visited the Patriots. He could be a high value touch guy. Like, I don't think he's great, but he can, they like the Patriots have been so clear with their actions that they don't want Ramondre to be the guy he was last year. I still think they like him, but to what degree it's unclear. And if you're bringing in Lenny, like, you're not bringing him in anything other than like short yard work and good exactly. pass work, yeah. Zeke pass blocking work or whatever, like stuff like that. Short, short yardage. yardage. Work. You're, yeah, yeah. You're not bringing him in for a first and 10 carry on the 50. Don't do that. A first and 10 carry or a first and one carry on the one reasonable to at least put him in there. So to me, like Lenny and Zeke, especially uh, has Kareem Hunt visited a single team. He no. looks like the candidate yeah, to be the Will Fuller like, of this cohort. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Like, is is he at risk of like not like it? I don't I don't like that we're not hearing anything about him. Yeah, he's like think, Will Fuller I, this year. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a real chance that he doesn't sign with anybody. Like I, the the running back market is so depressed for even the stars that I mean nobody's going to offer a guy like Kareem Hunt anything after Kareem Hunt was horrendous last year in Cleveland, like by every measure. I think what's going on with Kareem Hunt is we see it in the stats and the advanced stats. I, I think his like film must just be like hellaciously bad because yeah. there was like kind of some takes like that in some of the articles. It's not like it's scouts just being like he wasn't good last year, and like, they weren't even like citing stats. I think they just like saw his film like he was awful, and he was just like Will Fullering really hard. I totally agree. I I don't understand like Fournette and Zeke like essentially not having ADPs like Kareem said. Where it's almost again like a, an unfortunate byproduct of the player pool becoming sharper and sharper is that like no one wants to be the guy who drafts like Fournette or Elliott. And like I've been taking them like when I'm you know when I've been which is frequently coming away with like only like one or two like kind of like touch heavy running backs. Like I've just been at the end of drafts absorb like getting Zeke and Fournette so much. And I have to cut them, like who cares? But like they've been essentially free, even in like normie like home league type of drafts, just like no one wants anything to do with them. And like, like you guys said, they get t- they get signed. It's going to be to touch the ball. 
Like they're going to have like roles. Yeah. They're going to have high value roles, basically smaller roles than we're used to. Like Leonard Fournette's going to catch passes, maybe score touchdowns. Zeke is going to score touchdowns and their ADPs don't make any sense. Yeah. It's, it's kind of drafting scared a little bit. Like you don't want to be a guy who, you know, takes the, the dumb boomer pick, but like these guys would have been bad picks where they like might have gone like these are the guys, you know, you're drafting, I guess drafting off a draft magazine wouldn't have Zeke rated very highly, but it's sort of like the thing of like, Oh, you, you, you fool. Didn't you know? Didn't you know? And you didn't, <laughs> and it's like, but we actually do want to be willing to take on some risk as long as it's calculated risk, because we are trying to beat everybody else, you know? And to me, I'm like Zeke and, and Fournette strike me as targets. Right? I mean, Zeke's a little more expensive. So I've had, I've gotten less of them. But I, but I have been working to try to get him on my roster some as well because I think his price is going to rise. At least I'm going to get the cheapest version right. of Zeke. I, I find I find it hard. Uh, you know, Pat talked about taking these guys late when when uh, he's a little hard up on running back, and I'm I'm always hard up on running back. Like I like I'm always like dying for touches late in drafts. Uh, I, I do think they make sense, but I also have I struggle to take guys like that over i don't know like a Dwayne mcbride in minnesota or jerome ford or kenny gainwell jerry ford uh jerry ford uh uh gus edwards you know things of that nature guys of that nature so i just i don't know i i i, I see what you're saying but i'm i'd rather like take those guys over over a zeke or a uh or a leonard fournette i mean come on man zeke for real we're taking I zeke I, I think the thing is with Zeke, man, he just needs Nets. to score a touchdown a couple times. God. I think yeah, the let thing me say is with the Zeke's my Zeke take Nets. is best ball. My Zeke take and Fournette takes yeah. are best ball only. I would okay. not be taking them in managed leagues. Like yeah. you're, you're not going to get. You're never putting them in your lineup. No, no never. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't say no. You got to remember, no, Zeke goes back to the Cowboys, dude. You I don't do know, man. By late September, any- like, well, all three of my first uh, first three picks are right. now on injured reserve and out six to eight weeks. I mean, Latavius Murray was banking points with the Broncos last year. Like Zeke, it's like, I know it's the Cardinals, but he's the lead back now that James Conner's out and he's going to get some tutties. And that's all that matters, folks. Uh, Was that way too grim? (laughs) No, that's that's the perfect level of grim because I think it's (laughs) unfortunately accurate. It's uh, and I think I think with these guys with like the Zeke's and the Fournette's, they probably just have tighter like distributions, right? Like, I don't think there's any way where Zeke without injuries, like steps into a spot and usurps someone as like to top into a one B role, unless he joins a terrible backfield. And like, you could convince me that Dwayne McBride is really good as a rookie. And he starts taking carries out of Alexander Madison's workload, like a significant amount. On the other hand, you could really convince me that he's a healthy scratch for 17 weeks. It is absolutely possible where the moment. And we think this moment is rather likely that Zeke or Fournette signs, they're pretty likely to be active and getting touches every week. So maybe this is a thing where if you really can't stomach taking Zeke or Fournette, it comes down to what your roster construction looks like. Like if you think you need just like basic bread and butter points, like take a Leonard Fournette or a Zeke. But if you load it up on running back and you're like, I just need to win the flex two more times. Dwayne McBride, like I love Dwayne McBride. So he could be that guy for me, but the same for Jerome Ford or even Kenneth Gainwell. Well, let's, let's talk the, the Dwayne McBride, you know, side of this because there's like, I think two things happening as we look at like ambiguous depth charts behind the starter. Like when we're trying to figure out the running back two through three or four, you know, and we're not really sure where guys sit. 
there's kind of the Dwayne McBride side where it's like he's an explosive rusher. He's, you know, I've seen some stuff where he's like, oh, he made a play, you know. Uh, Kendry Miller is the more expensive version of this where it's like he's making a lot of plays. He's becoming exciting. But, um, you know, and there's some early season. You can talk yourself into an early season run, assuming Kamara gets suspended, um, which I think he will. Uh, And then maybe down the stretch, you know, you can tell yourself this little story because he's looking so good. But then you also have the more boring side of this, which is that like Keontae Ingram appears to be the clear cut number two in the Cardinals depth chart. And that's like information that is is probably more important, right? To get this, just like he's the locked in number two or like Zamir White, Zamir White is, is running as the clear number one right now with Josh Jacobs not at camp. Like that, that information is probably a lot more important than Kendry Miller looking really good, right? Am I right about that or do you guys disagree? No, I think you're right about that. And I think as much as like, I want to be a Dwayne McBride stand, like we see this with Samaj P. Ryan, like, do I think Chris Evans like ceiling and utility to a team was better last year or more intriguing at least for the Bengals than it is to trot out some AJ Pirine? Yeah, like I want to see what Chris Evans has got. It doesn't matter though. Like and and frankly, the like average the good, like the 75th percentile outcome for uh, a guy like Chris Evans who doesn't have much draft capital backing him, wasn't any sort of like elite prospect is that he is like serviceable. Whereas we at least knew that about Samaj P. Ryan. And when teams are like clearly signaling that, I think that is much more valuable than like no contact practices, long runs. So yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's like an unfortunate capitulation for someone who like, I'm really convinced Dwayne McBride's a better talent than Ty Chandler or whatever. Like we should be more confident in teams making clear signals than beat writers telling us about a long run. Yeah, that's, very, very smart. Well said. <laughs> yeah. well said uh, which Johnny Venerable told us yesterday, Keontae Ingram is the clear-cut RB2 in Arizona. Because, man, you look at their depth, running by depth chart, it is, oh, it is barren. It is really – it is apocalyptic. Well, that applies to the rest of their depth chart as well. That's true. Yeah. So, and and this, really their town also. Oh, oh Crane, oh, no. Crane you'll, you'll, you'll love this, by the way. Uh, our, our Cardinals reporter yesterday told us sending shockwaves this report that the team loves Greg Dortch. Loves I heard, I heard that he was. I, I listened I to that episode and I was struck by, uh, you know, you guys should submit that that podcast, uh, for, <laughs> for a award for a podcast award in the category of comedy. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think I've ever heard Pat laugh so many times. <laughs> I was laughing, a lot. Yeah. it was. It was unbelievable, and and the laughs were being generated from just factual information about <laughs> yeah. what the Cardinals are, are going to look like. This Please year. tell me one of the facts is Colt McCoy is practicing but not throwing football. So clearly it was it was Johnny who who blew yeah, the lid yeah, off. Share that, share that anecdote of Colt McCoy. Yeah. Well, it was Johnny who blew the lid. I've seen it kind of circulating on Twitter. People missed it over the weekend. Where the Cardinals are doing reps where they do like a normal snap and run a play. But instead of throwing the ball, Colt McCoy just points to where he would have thrown the ball. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like flown under the radar over the weekend. You know? 
I've seen it on Twitter now. There's footage of it where he literally just points. I'm like, man, I've seen better uses of a team's resource than having a 36-year-old quarterback pointing. Can you imagine <laughs> being a receiver in that situation? Be like, Dude, you know, if like, I'm a receiver, like, I'm fake celebrating every one of these. I am like, I'm taking I'm, another football and doing the Jimmy Graham dunk. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my third touchdown this practice. It's crazy, guys. It's going to be so bad. Also, there, uh, 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 Johnny told us that uh, Kyler Murray going to be under center primarily for the first time in his life this is going to be a debacle it is going to be a debacle so so like how much like okay it sounds like you guys are kind of buying into because that's one of the things right we're trying to get a sense of like how good these teams are going to be um you know like apparently another example of this would be the buccaneers this year like apparently uh baker mayfield is like throwing interceptions constantly and looks still looks way better than kyle trask (laughs) So that's like another uh, concern. Like the team, because we've done this before and gotten it wrong, right? The the Seahawks were supposed to be our dumpster fire team last year and they just weren't. So there's like kind of this, and I think there's a natural sort of pile on effect. I also think there's like a natural bias to want to just like X out stuff. I I certainly, it feels good to just be like, don't have to draft him. Don't have to think about that anymore. And at the same time, listening to that interview, yeah, Kyler Murray, immobile coming off an ACL tear under center for the first time, like in his entire, like in his college career. I think he said that. 15 years. So maybe some peewee he had not. Yeah. Done. So that that seems really bad and kind it of confusing. Seem good. But Crane, you made an amazing point. And I, I'm not a victory lapper, but I spent all last summer saying with the Seahawks, and I was, I'm a big time Geno Smith truther, like maybe still like negative truther. But all last summer with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I kept making the point, like, it is still an NFL offense. They are still NFL players. There is going to be a target share. They are going to dominate it. And, like, they're not just, like, falling off the face of the fantasy earth, basically. Probably important to keep that in mind with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like you're saying, the Cardinals, though, man, I don't know. Like, But not with the Cardinals. Has Marquise Brown ever ever even been good? Like, that's, like, a big problem. The difference is that, like, last year at the Seahawks, DK Tyler Lockett, and they had really made a lot of investments in their offensive line. Like, they had a good tight end core, like, really good running back room. Everything was, like, how can we support, maybe hide, this quarterback? Whereas, like, the Cardinals, what are the – James Conner's going to carry the workload until they get Kyler Murray up to speed. Like, no, he's not, dude. Like, oh, well, he's going to have Michael Wilson covered within an inch of his life for every snap, and he's going to jump ball it to him. Like, no, that's not going to work. I don't know what their outs are to success. Maybe yeah, like maybe yeah. the out is Kyler Murray comes back quickly and is, is, is he was a really well, there's no pass. success. He I mean there's no su- there's not they're not going to be successful, but are, yeah. is there any fantasy value here? I do think so. Uh Johnny mentioned Trey McBride is a guy who would just be targeted relentlessly underneath uh by two terrible quarterbacks in Clayton Toon and uh and Colt McCoy. And I, I, I'm in on that. I mean, I asked, like, is her, is Zach Ertz coming off an ACL? Is he going to be a problem? And Johnny said, no. No, he did say no. <laughs> He's like, not, not at all. <laughs> so I, I, I like, you know, like a K. Dotton type, you know, like running a lot of routes, like doing yeah. nothing with the ball after he gets it. But, but seeing a ton of, like, he has a real path. He's one of the few very late round tight ends who has a real path to targets. Johnny, by the way, not big on Rondell Moore. No, but no he one was is, big dude. on Michael I'd Wilson. For- he was real big on Michael Wilson. Pack he was expecting right? Michael Wilson to to take over in two wide receiver sets by the end of the year. He was. Yeah. Is that guy, does that do anything for you? Because Wilson is a dude, by the way, and this is kind of goes into another topic of like the drumbeat narrative stuff of like, 
when you see something and this became kind of a trope where, you know, Pete Overzet was doing his drum beat, making fun of the drum beat <laughs> concept. But the drum beat does feel like a legitimate thing we should pay attention to. We saw this last year with Isaiah Pacheco, truly a drum beat, like every single day. And I know this for a fact because I was rooting hard for Ronald Jones to win that job. And he didn't. And it became quite clear even to me through my extremely biased uh, goggles that he was that he was done because Pacheco is every single day. and and weirdly enough michael wilson is one of those players right now where in otas and minicamp the cardinals were saying we got a steal he's been talked up by kyler murray he's been talked up by the coaches he's been talked up apparently he has a connection with clayton toon uh presumably because he will throw the ball instead of yes. uh, just getting pointed at uh to, <laughs> to see the connection there um and he points and again i made the same joke. he's sacked by five people at once yeah and, yeah, and um, but but like this, you know, how far? Where is the line on well, on drumbeat players? And is Michael Wilson? So yeah, drumbeat players. So people always have this tendency to just like because they've been burned so many times with like false hype in the past, like t-shirts and shorts hype. So t-shirts and shorts hype should maybe be disregarded. The pads are finally coming on this week, but it is a huge mistake to just disregard the positive reports because sometimes it's like, well, what are the, what, what else are they gonna say? They say he's bad, and like mm-hmm. no, but like they don't have to say anything, and it's pretty notable they can't stop saying like this guy is amazing, kind of like what's happening with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Seahawks. Game, oh, that's another great one. Yeah, that's they're a just getting game. unprompted, just like loving JSN, and I pay more attention to it too when it's the media and not the coaching staff. And so like it's been the media a lot with Michael Wilson because you know the coaching staff who knows like what game they're playing, like what agenda they're working. They always kind of have an agenda, like when the media too. It, which is what happened with Isaiah Pacheco last year. Just constantly, like, yeah, Isaiah Pacheco's making the team. He looks amazing. He's going to actually feature early in the year. Like, they have they have agendas too, maybe sometimes, but far less of an agenda. And do not, like, fall victim to the, like, just, like, ignoring, like, the hype. And Because some of it is going to be wrong, of course. But, like, it's – they don't have to say this stuff. And if they're saying this stuff consistently, especially after the pads come on, it is, like, still a very real thing. Maybe it won't work out. Like, it's not like their imagination. Like, it's right. a very real thing. Does it factor in, like, with a guy like Wilson? And that this doesn't just apply to Wilson. That's why I want to mention it. Is that, like, when there's a new regime and a new and a draft oh, yeah. pick, you oh, know, yeah. a day a day two draft pick of a new regime is getting that, that, that to me would be, like, a little bit – I'd be more willing to buy into it because, you know. Maybe not if it's the coaching staff because then it could be, like, the agenda. Again – even if it's a coaching staff, they don't have to say this stuff. Like they don't, you know, no one's like making them like lavish praise on Michael Wilson, but that is always a huge, that's basically what Johnny Venerable was saying on our podcast was they don't like the, the holdover players. They're really liking their guys. They were skeptical, maybe on Trey McBride, but they're really liking him. And so, yeah, Kareem, that's an excellent, always, always keep in mind who drafted these guys and like whose players they are. Which is why Rondell Moore is problematic this year. He is. Right. He, he yeah. didn't say anything good about Rondell Moore. He even said Rondell Has Moore. Has anyone was, ever said He it? even said, Kyle, he even said Rondell Moore was down on Rondell Moore, basically. Oh. They asked him about how he plans to stay healthy. He's just like, man, I don't know. I've done everything right, and I just haven't stayed healthy. Like, he said it was Poor very guy. sad. Yeah. He should try <laughs> being taller. <laughs> um, to, to, to bring things back to the positive here, we do also have – uh, we have some additional kind of breakout hype candidates this year. 
Um, Dalton Kincaid is, you know, drawing a lot of buzz. He is. Um, Sky Moore drawing a lot of buzz. I guess with those two guys in particular, though, I think they strike me as guys that we want to be somewhat cautious on. So I've been buying the Sky Moore uh, ascendancy in ADP, but I think I'm done if he goes into the mid eighth. Like I think he's now kind of capped because he's hitting sort of a new tier of wide receivers that he's bumping into. And I don't want to be taking him over those. And the reason that I don't really want to be taking him over those guys is that we are still talking about a slot wide receiver, I think. And so you're getting hype, but are you going to get a full-time role in an NFL offense once the season starts? That's my concern with Sky Moore as he moves up. I wish I had thought about this harder last year when I was hyping him to the fourth round. But uh, Dalton Kincaid uh, would be another example of, I'm glad he looks awesome. <laughs> how how much is he going to play? Is he going to play on more than half the routes? Because I kind of think he isn't right now. I could be wrong, but I, then I think Dawson Knox is going to have a really bad season because he's coming out. And, and are they sort of tipping their plays at that point, depending on which tight end they have out there? Um, so those two were kind of interesting where it's like, we got the hype. But are people going to lose their minds a little bit and forget about, you know, the fact that they're kind of more part-time players in terms of archetype? With Sky Moore, I feel like the hype is coming a little more from the coaching staff than the media. And it's also coming about where it's like it's hype coming from like negative reasons. Like he's getting hyped because there's kind of like no one else doing any like he's almost like defaulting. That's always it's a classic hype vacuum. That's always dangerous, too, with the hype. Like, is this guy just defaulting into hype? It's better when they're going out there and just like taking, which is like Michael Wilson's like kind of just like creating his own hype because no one's going to hype a Cardinal, you know. <laughs> He's kind of just like creating, and like Dalton Kincaid was kind of set up for people to be like, yeah, I don't know, they'd overdrafted him, right? He's kind of creating his own hype. Sky yeah, Moore, could, Sky Moore could be doing well, but it's been more about like, who's not there. And I feel like it's been a little more coaching staff driven than media driven. And Justin there. Watson was talking him up at one point. I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on players hyping the guys? Is that good or bad? Yeah. Did he? I don't know. I, 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 I think you have to like pay attention, to like how long they've been playing with them and like maybe their on, on things. Uh, I will say that uh, I don't, I, I actually don't have Sky Moore's, uh, best ball ADP in front of me right now. Maybe Crane. He's up in the thirty-two. He goes with a thirty-second overall pick, Denny. If you haven't drafted recently, <laughs> no, he, he's like that. You you grab him at the the late eighth. If you he's have, the okay, wide receiver, you have Mahomes. I, I'm looking at him in the late eighth. He's the wide receiver forty-eight. On so in in normie leagues, it looks like he's going in like the tenth or maybe even the eleventh of twelve-team leagues. So he's probably that, going undrafted in some normal. So that I mean, that is like a huge difference. Like, yeah, it, Pat's yeah. right. I mean, I mean, there are a lot of home leagues that where you know you're going to be like, oh, Sky Moore still on the board. It's the 14th round. I guess I'll I'll just pick him. Um, so I this sounds like a joke. I swear it's not a bit. But like, the, the talk about the hype. Richie James is getting hype out of the chiefs camp like like and and it's been consistent it hasn't been just one it's been like i've seen three or four times where coaches are like hey this is this well, good. Scott Moore was hyping him up right so <laughs> and, and we got and a, my, we got a situation way, here <laughs> richie james richie james was pretty good last year you know per the per it's the a hype ponzi scheme in the in the chiefs everyone's just hyping each other yes <laughs> it's true it's bad no one knows who to hype because they're all bad so like one day they're like oh yeah I mean uh, no come on <laughs> it's like a generic prince so 
So I, I, I the, the whole there actually Richie, is generic Prince. I know there's a lot of it. Sorry, Denny. I, I mean, look at Richie James is not, he's going to be a slot. He's going to be a slot guy. Like he's not, they're not going to like bump him to the boundary. Like it's either going to be him or Sky Moore on the field. So I, it makes me nervous about, about and Justin Ross like, is getting hype. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, but but he's so, more of a boundary guy, right? Noah Gray guy, is yeah. getting hype. I'm not even kidding. Like the Chiefs, there's a vacuum. They don't they tell these people who to hype. Someone they gotta like get their story straight. Who they're hyping? Yeah, they really yeah. do. I feel like I'm in the minority of like I'm pretty rarely buying any hype from anyone in camp. I'd say players is the lowest tier of players hyping. Players by players far the lowest tiers. Players, you kind of say uh, or like for all I know, like. They, they might think he's good because like, he beats them in Madden all the time. Yeah. Like that colors their <laughs> perception of him on the field. And they have to like their locker locker room mates, right? They they right next to each other in the locker room, next to each other in like film study. You're not going to be like, yeah, I think Sky Moore's really sucking in this training. Camp. And then you're like, hey, Sky, how's it going? You ready for film study or whatever? Like, <laughs> but I generally do think like we're just talking about Noah Gray getting hyped. Like these things are like oftentimes meaningless i think like it is definitely worth tuning into and it especially is like the drum beat is real the drum beat honestly is real sometimes it is wrong but the drum beat <laughs> well, then, is never but then how do we do like because it's directionally accurate <laughs> is it but like if it's sometimes wrong we need to know to what how often is it wrong versus being right or else it's meaningless it's just noise right oh. Well, sure. we don't know how often exactly, but it's, it's yeah, exactly. Right that's what I'm saying. Wrong. We, have we can't people. measure it. Why we, we have our best we people on? Best it. people are looking into it very powerfully. <laughs> I think there are probably some things you can definitely glean, or maybe you can more likely glean from camp is like team usage, like team pace, pass rates, type of stuff. I think those are more likely to be endemic of things that are being practiced at camp. Uh, even then, I'm not well, super confident. In another that. good really? signal, I don't Kyle. Know about that. Another good signal. So a lot of these guys were getting hyped. So training camps are going on like ten days or whatever. The pads weren't on yet. So a lot of the guys who are early. So it's funny you, on Roto World sometimes I'll like search a guy and like there was three blurbs on this guy from July 24th to July 30th, and then there have been none in the past 17 days, aka when the pads have come on. That's always an interesting signal to me. And even more interesting is when it continues once the pads are on. Like yeah, Dalton Kincaid is still lighting up every Bills camp, basically. That is, it, it happens every summer where there'll be someone who has like three blurbs. It's not. It's. I'm not saying this is bad, but it's because it's what the coaches are saying. So then we blurb it, but then like it mysteriously stops July 30th because that's, that's a good when the point. Pads come on. Dalton Kincaid is a guy I'd like to get your thoughts because this is one where, I mean, I've got Liam Murphy's on Twitter saying, literally tweeting like, fantasy analysts, don't be on the wrong side of history on Dalton oh, Kincaid, right. which, which I'm firmly I, I, on, I'm the, wrong be on the wrong side of history. I'm going to be on the wrong side of history. And like, I, I spent an hour on his podcast, like literally, I think an hour arguing about Dalton Kincaid's snap share and how I don't think he can he can really have a meaningful role unless part of it comes out of out of Dawson Knox's uh snaps but he is a drumbeat player right now and I'm starting to get a little nervous that you know maybe maybe he does just eat a lot of Dawson Knox's role and is is kind of a full-time enough like I still think he probably run like a 65% route rate or 70% maybe at most but if they look for him a lot in the red zone and he has a really high targets per out run and he's a a bit of a deep threat, then, I mean, he's going to be a pretty nice pick in the Josh Allen offense. Not to make this too confusing, but Dalton Kincaid is like one of the more complex cases because the Bills need Kincaid to work like so badly, right? 
Kincaid could be a classic, like too cute by half plan for the Bills. So everyone in the Bills, like they need a third target. They missed in all the receivers in the draft. So then it's like, oh, whatever, let's take the tight end who's a receiver. Like they need it to work like so badly. That is like kind of a cop. The, the best type is like a situation where it's like organic. Like they don't need it. Like the Chiefs didn't need Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, I guess they kind of did. Like when it's or when it's organic, what's in a position that wasn't even necessarily a need. Like that is like, the, those are like the strongest type signals to me to pay attention to. Kincaid, it's very interesting, but it's also like a situation the Bills are so invested in making work. Like they need it to work really bad. If it doesn't, it's going to instantly look like one of the worst picks of the, the 2023 draft. But are you are you <laughs> considering taking him? Because no, God no, no. <laughs> also, to that yeah, point though, it would trap. also look like it would also look like one of the worst tight end extensions Cole Komet was standing because they extended Dawson Knox last year, I think just before the season. It's like they're also yeah, they would be invested in making that not look dumb, which uh, too late on that one, but whatever. I, I don't know. I guys, I I cannot get behind a guy who had exactly one good college <laughs> come on man i'm sorry he did that's this one is good all college right, game he had one good usc college. game he he's been beating, speaking of drum beat denny's been beating this and, and, and when, so I've, I've tweeted that and people get really upset oh oh that that's messed up to say that about dalton Kincaid. well show me the second one show me the second good game i've looked at the i've looked at the box scores there's there's not a second one it's really just the one it does. Really? He does not. He he wasn't a great prospect. I mean, he was. I think he was a pretty good tight end prospect. Even, but that's with the first round draft capital. He does, Dalton Kincaid had three career one hundred yard games. One game above one hundred and seven yards, and it was the for Southern California where he had sixteen receptions for two. Well, the, the good news is pretty good. In the rematch, in the rematch, he was shut down, wasn't he? He was, I believe, he was. was Denny, he had a. Well, let's see here. USC opponent, Southern Cal. He. In the wow. meantime, Denny, the good news is that his one of Wait, his Pat's other. Got it, I think. He did, it was two, less than two months later. He had four catches for forty yards. So yeah, they're pretty. Uh, it's got to make an adjustment on Kincaid. <laughs> uh, the good news is though that one of his other one hundred yard games came against Southern Utah, who uh, doesn't have a sports reference page, which tells me they're probably an FCS team. <laughs> and probably, one of his other yeah. ones was against Colorado. Well, Utah is indeed good. not molded. I'm, I'm sorry. No, this is a trap. This is like class. I've been playing this game for too long to fall for Dalton Dalton Kincaid. I just Dalton picture... Kincaid in 12, Denny, on underdog. He's going right behind Greg Dulcich, ahead of uh, Chigakonko, Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, Cole Komet, Taysom Hill, just... Sam LaPorta. I, I mean, may have said on the podcast last week, 0.0% chance Dalton Kincaid scores more fantasy points than Cole Komet. Well, look. Oh, this I mean, one I'm actually fine with. You named some guys who I wasn't fine with, and then you got to this one. I was like, oh, well, you got me there. Dawson Knox has a, has a real chance to be the highest scoring tight end of the Bills. Tight end 22, Dawson Knox. Yeah. What a weird situation. Would you guys take Dawson Knox straight up over Dalton Kincaid fantasy points? Just like median. Like, are you going to win this bet more often than not? I think no. I would. No, no, I would. I would. They're, they're too invested in it. You know, you know what? Just because I'm invested in, in this take, yes, I would take Dawson Knox over. Wow, Denny's <laughs> as invested in this take as the Bills are, and Dalton. Yes, Denny <laughs> is all in on this one. He's been laser focused on this. He one drafted this I take with a first round pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I lean that he's a trap, but I, I will say I'm a little nervous about just the late season rookie breakout stuff with. 
guy on the Bills who they're super. I will say, in. Pat, when you were when you were pitching the the upside, you're like, well, what if he gets more snaps than we thought? And he's a red zone threat, but what if he also then gets targets per route? I know you have to get a lot of things right. You named so many things he has to yeah. get right. And yeah. like, could he just be the guy you need in week 17? Sure, but like you can make the argument for anyone. I'm yeah. more looking at what the bulk of the Some weird looks dude's like. gonna bury us, and we're gonna have to yeah. live with that. But you're prop, but like you don't have to get every th- single thing right in a fantasy season, you know. Like I was out on Zay Jones last year; that was a mistake. Uh, hey, was it? Well, he had a good year, you know. I certainly hey, caught, caught like end. seventy passes for like eight hundred yards. Yeah, he, he had some. He had Congrats. a big game in the right week. Congrats, Zay! So, big yeah. deal. But you don't have to get everything right. I didn't have enough Josh Jacobs last year. You, know? you can you can survive some things. Um, yeah. Real 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 broken up about not getting Zay Jones eight hundred and twenty three yards. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's that ruined my year. You hate Zay Jones. <laughs> we actually did have 823 yards. Oh my god! Wait, did you riff that correctly? I did. I riffed no. it. I you riffed that? Down. I'm dead serious. I just that's the it. sickest thing I've ever. You act like I am the sick one here. You just ripped Zay Jones' exact yards total off the top of your head. I I'm horrified. I do know stats sometimes. I I was guessing, but I riffed that. Yeah, yeah my ruined my fall. Didn't get those uh, 82 Zay Jones catches. <laughs> I say this is this is so upsetting. You you hate Zay Jones. Everybody else loves Zay Jones. Team yeah, I really team. hated missing that age twenty seven breakout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this that was bad. That was a huge miss by me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's a, I agree. We don't have to get everything right. We're gonna miss on some stuff. I think Rude. 3K will be is one I'm okay missing on. Um, all right, let's talk some of the guys who who have come out of nowhere. Because this is the the guys who've created their own hype. Uh, I would say the the two guys who come to mind. But please mention anyone else. Uh, Daneric Prince and recently Demario Douglas, this five uh, eight wide receiver who was a sixth round pick by the Patriots, kind of a gadgety type dude, um, but obviously a pretty wide open depth chart and probably not great for Juju Smith Schuster if there's a an explosive uh, slot receiver on the roster. Uh, also Kendrick Bourne, also an explosive slot receiver on this roster, but he's in the doghouse. So, uh, thoughts on those two? I'll go first on Douglas. Right, say this is like a very common Patriots camp. Like the Patriots are a very well covered team. For one, they have like five or six beat writers. Everyone's kind of like always hunting for scoops, like trying to find like the like the couch cushion type player that mm. they can hype. You know, everyone wants to like find the unique angle. I mean, who was the who was the tight end? Who's the infamous tight end? Um, oh, dude! Uh, yeah, having Kenbrell Tompkins. It happened with the tight end Zach Sudfeld. Zach Sudfeld. Yeah. Oh my! It's a pretty common Patriots phenomenon, and it's kind of also the Chiefs' problem, where it's like no one knows who to hype because I mean now like people are all over like Hunter Henry again, like where it's like there's so many well, guys. Hunter's a good pick, so let's not slander him. Yeah, no one's really standing out, so kind of just everyone's getting hyped a little bit. But the Patriots too just do weird things. Like this could be like a Bill Belichick mind game. Just whatever. Give the Demario Douglas first team reps um, for two weeks, and then you know then he he's has like not been even, getting first team. Reps I know, I know. But then he's like not even active in week. So the Patriots are a team where you have to be really careful because the coaching staff misleads as much as any coaching staff, and it's a really really well covered team. Where like I haven't seen like a, a, a drum beat yet with Douglas. I'll say okay. It okay. could be just one person's observation. Honestly, if I saw a drum beat with Douglas, I uh, I wouldn't care. He's like fourth year Liberty breakout uh, and then goes in the sixth round. Wouldn't you care for what it means for the other receivers, particularly Juju? 
You just, I mean, I guess maybe it would if I was ever drafting Juju, but I don't think I have him. Yeah, we once. don't draft and, Juju anyway. So. And I will also say, probably not. Honestly, like they paid okay. Juju what, like thirty million. Like it's tied to more like incentive base than it was for Jacoby leaving. But round about John Smith a bunch of money. I mean, these guys are. I, I think they're like required to just give out a certain amount of money each year. Well, the the Johnny Smith year they were because they, they just, were way they uh, not near the cash floor or whatever, so they had to. Um, but uh, I mean, like I guess like the off season sort of narrative is a movement from our prior. Like it is good, all things considered, that player X is lighting up camp that the coach mentioned him. Like that's not nothing, right? But how far does it move us from our prior? To me, it's not a lot. It's not nothing. But my prior was so low on Demario Douglas that, like, I mean, he was a guy who I knew nothing about in the draft. And then I looked him up. I was like, I understand why. Yeah, your your prior, let's be honest, your prior was who? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. My prior was like, yeah. is he on the UDFA list for Lurbs? No, he's not on the UD. And they took him in the sixth round. Oh, my God. So, and I looked at him. And I'm like, yeah, of course. He was, like, fourth year breakout at Liberty with no draft capital. He looks like a guy who gets cut in tra- like at the end of training camp. So if it's something where like I see a clear path to this guy was previously good and then has a chance to usurp someone ahead of him and then that's a successful outcome, that's something that means something for fantasy, I'll listen to the drumbeat. And like that was the case with I- Isaiah Pacheco where the guy in front of him was terrible, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So it's easy to see a case where like even if I didn't love Pacheco coming out of college, yeah. my prior wasn't great on him. My prior on Plus it's running players. back where, where things are yeah. more chaotic. So, Eric Prince is an interesting one because he's looking more like a pass catcher. And so it's kind of like he's probably a a year, you know, a 2024 Jarek McKinnon replacement, I would guess. But it also it's it's made me like a little more nervous about McKinnon that you have this this UDFA running back who's lighting it up specifically as a pass catcher. He probably doesn't have the pass blocking down. So I, I don't know that maybe you want to get that carried away, but, but you know, he's, he's sort of an interesting dude where like he might, this might be real, this hype, but it might be 2024 hype. And are we going to remember the 2023 hype in 2024? Um, but probably it probably, it probably indicates some level of skill, but, but does he even really have a chance of getting on the field as a, as a pass blocker? I, as a it would probably require an injury. Probably, you yeah. know, to, to McKinnon or or Pacheco or, or CEH. I mean, CEH, unfortunately, from what uh, the Chiefs beat writer told us on the uh, show last week, like he's going to be involved, apparently. So yeah. that's thanks. Um, I don't know what's there. going on with the Chiefs. Man. You know, they... but but Prince, I mean, Prince will be like a priority waiver ad in, in managed teams this year, probably like three times. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, yeah. You know, <laughs> Totally. Just, just, just in case, you know, like uh, like a break yeah. glass, just just in an emergency situation. Yeah, like you know how you added Jordan Mason like three times last year. Yes, it's totally the same. Yeah. Um, by another guy. Apparently that's perfect. Hype. That's yeah. like the exact situation. That's that's really good. Uh, Hunter Henry is a dude I, I want to mm-hmm. mention uh, who's getting hype is like the favorite target, and this is another archetype we see. Like this guy's his favorite target. He can't stop throwing to this guy. Uh, you know, I remember. So the Patriots, you, you mentioned, Pat, they're a well-covered team. It's it's so true. Like, guys will actually chart out, like, how many receptions every player got in that practice. I remember uh, one of the all-time, like, should not have paid attention to this was Damian Harris getting a ton of dump-off passes in, in a practice. It's like, dude, Damian Harris caught, like, nine balls this morning. Like, they're going to use him as a pass catcher. He, like, didn't see a single reception all season. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> – um, but that's one of the things we're seeing – 
with Hunter Henry, you know, all this talk about them, him just like kind of targeting him. We're seeing that in a few other spots. Does that do anything for you? Just, just a little bit because last year with the Patriots, nothing made sense in the, the receiver core, like the, the skill core. Like I thought the, the biggest problem, the Patriots skill core last year was like, no one had a defined role. Like there was just no, like there was like, it seemed like every week, like the roles were different and it never made any sense that Hunter Henry wasn't like the primary red zone guy. He kind of was in 2021 with Mac Jones. So I, to me, it's like, okay, we got a real offensive coordinator back. We're going to establish roles again. Like why would Hunter Henry not be the primary red zone guy? So the Hunter Henry stuff has kind of made me like, like raise my eyebrow, but like, okay, maybe sanity is returning to the skill core. Like they're going to have set roles. The players are going to know like what's expected of them on a, on a, on a weekly basis. And like, that, that's just, that kind of struck me as like sanity returning to the way the Patriots like deploy their offense. Uh, but then again, I mean, what it's his eighth year in the league, like there's not much juice left to squeeze there with Hunter Henry. Um, but I mean, it did it struck know, me as, like, as sanity returning to the Patriots skill core. There's like useful tight end to spike week juice in that. Like he goes so late, like he's one there. Like, you know, we, we had a, the Dawson Knox versus Dalton Kincaid debate, like, in best ball, Mike Gusecki goes ahead of him. Like Mike Gusecki is locked in for playing less than 50% of these snaps. Like can't yeah, block, only plays the in the slot. Like, yeah, he looks like a backup tight end, frankly. And then Hunter Henry last year performed well in open score. He's been productive throughout his career. They're paying him a ton of money and they're not doing that to Mike Gusecki. Like this, it's another one where like, it doesn't move my prior much. It just happens to be that my prior on Hunter Henry was that like, he's a starting tight end for an offense that I think improves. I'll tell you one thing, one thing about Hunter Henry I'm running them back against an Eagles week one stack, folks. That's what I'm doing. I love it. I know that I think Crane's about to go rapid fire, but just real quick. He's about to turn 29, Hunter Henry. What do you think his career high for yards is? I don't want to talk. 800? 728. Keep going down. 630. 652 is Hunter Henry's career high for yards. Don't love that. Uh, Don't love that. All right, Sorry. let's do a little rapid fire on some of these like super hype situations. Um, if you're if you're buying in, if you're if you're like willing to essentially start taking this guy earlier in drafts than you already would have. Um, let's start with Brandon Ayuk, who's been kind of the star of uh, 49ers camp. Yeah, but obviously a lot of mouths to feed there. I'm going to be out because like really what's like the genuine upside there. And like last year happened with Debo Samuel having a campaign that can't possibly be as bad again this year. It's like, like this where, like how much more upside could there really be for Brandon? Ayuk? I'd say I'm out. Um, it's a fine pick. Uh, it's eh. And the yeah, camp hype isn't doing it for me. It's, it's been eh the whole time. I mean, he's going at least according to fantasy pros, ADP he's going at, Wide receiver 30. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's like a, after Pittman, after Christian Kirk. Um, that, that's not – on underdog, he's wide receiver 28, but he's like a early fifth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, that that that's a tough call. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't – when I do – when I draft a zero RB team, I feel pretty good about getting him as like my wide receiver three or four. You know, like I feel like you could do a lot worse. I think last year was just a ceiling. 78 catches, 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. Like the CMC, Kittle, and Debo, like, could you have, like, literally three all pros for your target yeah. competition? Yeah. It's 
talking about how well, much. Debo's another guy. He so he's apparently this is a best shape of his life narrative, oh, which yeah. is a, a huge oh, yeah. narrative. Uh, also, best shape of his life usually does not involve your coach saying this guy won't stop sending me shirtless no. photos. But no. Debo's best shape of his life is documented through text messages to his it head is. coach. Uh, is, that, is that bullish <laughs> or bearish? No, that's real bullish. And that's analytics. We talked about Rod, like Debo had like the ultimate distraction off season last year. Didn't have any of that this year. Didn't make his stats made no sense last year. He he's going to be way better this year. Uh, any thoughts on on Debo, guys? I draft Debo a decent amount because he goes in a range where like DK Metcalf goes, and anytime those two guys are on the board, I'm like, uh, give me give me Debo. Well, the the Niners reporter who talked to us the other day said the rushing thing is quote over he did say that which is that could be good that's good i think that's good dude because he was unsustainably hot on the touchdowns two years ago and if you're you're getting these carries and they're not including touchdowns you're basically it's like cannon fodder it's not good in the in the the context of brandon Ayuk having a great camp it's good if you're the clear number one wide receiver Uh, i think he is the clear number one wide receiver i I disagree I i i say it's Ayuk. I think it's Debo, man. All right. Okay. So difference of opinion. Shirtless. Pat's more into shirtless picks than Denny. <laughs> yeah. We learned that. All right. Yeah. Calvin. ironic because <laughs> Denny doesn't have sleeves. So you'd think. No, Denny right. is out here showing off the guns. He's the one. Uh, yeah. Uh, Calvin Ridley. He's he's getting the, the teammate buzz. He's getting the the video. This is another thing. The, the making the rounds on Twitter with your video. Uh, Calvin Ridley's the king of that uh, right now. Are you willing to, to take him up as he rises into the to the early to mid third round? I wanted to be out on Ridley, but it was something that made sense on paper. And he basically is like wowing Jaguars camp. It sounds like like people are like, wow, this is like what a number one receiver looks like. And I'm scared five games in two years, five games in two years. That's a problem. And he was already, he was old when he entered the league. He's not like the biggest guy. He relies like a lot on like just being an elite tactician, uh, but he is that. And I'm kind of, I'm getting sucked in on Calvin Ridley. I'm not. I, I was fine with him before this rise, but like I think this rise, I think his price was about right. Where like upside is great, risk is extremely high for guys played five games in two years or whatever. Uh, and this is just like complete illogical rise rise in price. Like, well, like if you were drafting okay. him in the third round and like you were like, oh, he's good. I forgot that's why I was drafting him. He's <laughs> he's fast. Oh, that the video it showed he was fast. Like that makes no sense to me. A price rise at this point. From, from what I understand, this Doug Peterson offense is designed to spread targets around. And like it's just like simply not going to funnel targets to one guy. So that makes me a little nervous about Ridley. But all the hype from him running fast in camp gives me FOMO. I, I would be lying. If it I does. Didn't. It gives me FOMO. That's sure. a FOMO one for me. Well, all right. JSN, we talked, is is looking awesome. Are you willing to take him? If he goes into like the late fifth, is that is that a, a dumb pick or, or a – He's their best receiver already pick. It's dumb because it's like he could have the greatest camp in history and he's just not going to have a higher target share than either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. I guess maybe he could than DK, but like DK is still going to be playing the most important snaps, like being like the number one guy in the red zone. And it's just the guys ahead of him are just so established and so good. Um, All right. Last one. Let's, let's go that Denny. I want to hear from you on this one. Uh, Mac Hollins looking like an absolute like 
like he looks like a a, a warrior from you know yes. before we like fully knew how to knew how he looks like the works. photos of sasquatch like the long away <laughs> photos of sasquatch you're like oh that thing's like seven he feet refuses tall to that. eat with utensils i he mean does. this guy oh his a- his testosterone is off the charts we I, <laughs> yeah. is that it's actually i mean the doctors need to really monitor that it's da- medically dangerous how high his tea is um yeah, I mean it's fun. I think it's fun. Like he's he looks like he should be on Game of Thrones, like like taking over uh, a civilization and and all and all that stuff. But uh, you know, I, I, where are the targets going to come from? Like it's just it's just he'll just make his own targets, dude. Dude, I I I mean I'm sure I, it'll be really, it'll be really cool when he when one of his two targets goes for like a dominant sideline catch. Okay. But it's just there's just not there's just not volume there. I have zero interest in that Collins. I just wanted you to tell me yeah, how thank high you. I appreciate it. Any chance? I haven't to, considered to do drafting that, it once. I just I just wanted to <laughs> talk about how his sea levels are through the roof. Thank you. Yeah, dangerously high. All right, guys, this will do it for uh, our training camp rundown here. Uh, thanks so much for for joining me uh, to go through everything. Tell the people about what you got going on at RotoWorld.com. News. Lots, lots, lots of news. And draft guide updates. I'm assuming Denny's going to have some one-off articles. I'm assuming Kyle's going to have some one-off I articles. Am. Yeah, trying. I got some stuff in the hopper officially. So, Guys, I wrote recently about the Cowboys' uh, embrace, supposed embrace of analytics. You should read that one. Oh, yeah, that was Ooh, really nice. interesting, actually. Thank you. Yeah. Check it out. And, yeah, there's so much news right now. We're in, like, the peak of training camp news. Really, the peak is kind of before the games begin. Like, yeah. we're like, we're like the initial sorting is going on. And uh, keep it locked to rotoworld.com. Love it. Uh, sign up for Legendary Upside if you have not done so. Uh, I still do have some $50 underdog credits. So if you sign up for a yearly subscription to Legendary Upside, uh, legendaryupside.com. Fill out a form, which will be in the description of this video. Uh, the link to, to where you go fill out that form. Give me your username. I'll send it over an underdog. You can get a $50 credit while supplies last. Thank you guys again. This was a blast. Uh, let's, uh, let's draft some good teams. Let's draft some good teams this year. And Pat, I'll be we'll drafting a good team with you on Thursday. So. Hey, Pat, we'll see you Thursday. <laughs> Love it. Later.